0: I like to sing, but Jesus wouldn't give me a voice, so I ain't gonna sing. And uh but God started uh talking to me uh last week and um and he just wouldn't let me do it. He he gave me this this message uh entitled Testify. Uh, somebody say testify. All right. If y'all talk to me, I'll preach all day. If you don't talk to me, I'll preach longer. <laughs> and so uh so God began ministering to me. And one thing I've never done in here. I've, I've never shared my story. Um, and when I say my story, I mean my testimony. I've shared parts of it. Um, but God started dealing with me this morning about his love and about how much he cares for us. And not just about how much he cares for us, but the fact that he will come to us in the middle of our mess. Amen. Like last week, I was preaching, and there was a there was a point in my message that I was that I was preaching, and I almost said it like this: "In the middle of your mess, God will come see about you." Amen. And and I'm so thankful that we serve a God that in the middle of our junk, He will He will interfere, even we don't when we don't want Him to. Even then, He will come and interfere on our behalf, and He'll get all up in our lives and messed up, and then put it back together, and and, and much better. Amen. And so if you have your Bible, I'm I'm actually going to do this a whole lot different than I've been doing lately. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 5. I'm going to try real hard to make this a talk. Um, (laughs) But I like to preach. And so y'all might have to tell me, hang on, Pastor, chill out. Because I want to get this across the way that God put it on my heart. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. And um, we're going to talk today about Testify. It will also be on the screen. The Bible says this. You see, at just the right time. Somebody say right time. When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. That's you too. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, somebody say still sinners, still sinners. I like to say it like this, while I was still messed up, amen, while I still had issues, while my life was still a wreck, while I was still out in the middle of left field with no idea how to get home, uh, even then, Christ died for us. That's good news, isn't it? That is the gospel. In three verses, amen. That is the story of Jesus and why he came and what he did. Just if you had no other scripture to go by to find God, you could take those three scriptures and get to heaven. How many believe that? Uh, That is the the precipice, that is the seed, that is the foundation and the cornerstone of the gospel. And so today I want to do something that I haven't done and that's I want to share my story. Everybody has a story. And I, I I love to hear them because it's it's so funny to me to hear how differently God comes into our lives and he saves us and he rescues us. Uh, and it's important. Hold on to your story. That's the first thing I need to tell somebody today is you need to remember where God has brought you from. Amen? Because that is a that is a place of memorial. That is a place of encouragement. Because if I hold on to where God brought me from and I know what he's done in my life before, then I know that when I face things today and tomorrow, if he did it then... Come on, somebody. He's going to do it when. He's going to do it then, too. He'll do it now, too. And so as I was putting this message together, I, I was trying to figure out where to start. And I, I'm, I'm going to try not to be long today um, because I do have a bottom line that I want to get to. Um, whenever I was young, my family didn't attend church. And my parents are not here today because uh, my dad's foot's not doing well, not because I'm sharing my story. <laughs> I told my mom, you know, it's not like she's running from the story today. She just couldn't be here. Um, But my family didn't attend church growing up. Uh, We weren't bad people. We were just normal day Americans who didn't think a lot about God, but we stayed home on Sundays and did our thing and didn't think a lot about God. We weren't anti-God. We just weren't church-going people. Anybody ever been that way or, or known people that's been that way? It's not that they're bad. We just didn't go to church when I was growing up. And so, around in 1995, it was on July 5th, I'll never forget, my grandmother died of cancer. And my grandmother was much more like a mom to me. She was, she and I were very close. I would spend literal summers at her house, and my mom, when she would come get me, would have to literally pull me out of the door. I'd have both hands on the hinges, like, no, don't make me go home. Me and my grandmother were very close, and she got cancer. And she died whenever, uh, in 1995. And I think I was about eight years old. And... Um, when she passed away, she passed away in a very um tragic, painful way. She uh she had a type of cancer that actually um ate. I've traveled thousands of miles. I'm glad to know that whoever years. that is has traveled G-C-G. thousands of miles. Mute something. You still love him? I never saw- <laughs> We were about to listen to a movie. I don't know what it was but they came a long way to tell us <laughs> anyways <laughs> anyways and so my grandmother died in 1995 i was about 8 years old and she had this type of cancer that actually um ate away the cells she actually died with a hole in her face uh she toward the end of her life she actually had to take all of her medication uh through um liquid form because she, she literally couldn't swallow she she couldn't take in sustenance through her mouth anymore and so she was. It was very painful. Anybody ever had to go through something like that, where someone you love had to go through a very painful death? It changes you. If you let it, it will change you, and it's painful. Um, and I was young, and I and and so at the age of eight years old, I decided I wasn't going to believe in God anymore. Um, I, I, because of the way my grandmother died, I knew I was like, you know, she's a good person. She loved people. She loved me. And if if there is a God out there that would allow her to die in this way. I wasn't going to serve him. And so I chose at eight years old to not believe in Jesus, not believe in God. I just couldn't, I couldn't put a loving God in the same picture as this God that allowed this to happen to my grandmother. And how many of you have ever been that in your, been that way in your life where you just, you can't put together, they say God is love, but then you see all of this pain and you see all of these people that are tormented, whether it be physically or spiritually or emotionally. And it's like the two just don't go together. And for an 8-year-old, that was really hard to understand. And so um, so at 8 years old, I decided I wasn't going to be a Christian. I wasn't going to believe in God. I lived until I was 16 um, as an atheist. And uh, I'd like to say I was a passive atheist, but I wasn't because I was hurt. You know, ever heard, ever heard that John Maxwell quote, hurting people hurt people? And um, And so I was not only content and not believing in God for myself – uh, I was convinced it was my duty to preach the anti-gospel and, and try to convince people you are dumb for following Jesus. And um, it's not something I'm proud of, but it was part of my story. And so whenever I was 16, um, I was not going to church. Uh, I had I had one friend who used to go to church here. His name's Timmy Box. And uh, he's a great guy. I love him to death. He's like a brother to me. And um, And I was just friends with him. He would ask me every now and again, um, if I'd go to church, but that was pretty much it. I, I wasn't doing anything different. And uh, one night, God came and saw about me. And that's why whenever I say to you that in the middle of your junk, believe it or not, whether you're looking for him or not, God will chase you down. That's what the cross is. That is an example of God literally chasing us with his love and with his grace. And there was one night I was not looking for God, but apparently he was looking for me. And... um, and I went to sleep. And I believe in dreams. Anybody else believe in dreams, believe that God can speak to you through dreams and visions? Um, I had a dream one night. And and I'm telling you, y'all going to think I'm crazy. So just put you, get, you know, I, I promise this is what happened. This is my salvation story, okay? Um, I had a dream one night. I was not going to church. I didn't have any, I didn't eat anything crazy before I went to bed. It, this is my story. And um, I laid down, went to sleep, happily I say happily an atheist, I don't think anyone's happy being an atheist, personal opinion from experience, and, um, went to sleep, and I had a dream, and, um, I dreamed the world was coming to an end, and it scared me, in my dream, I, I I dreamed, um, the skies were going black, and this is, this is not necessarily Bible, this is my dream, understand God was talking to me, and, um, and I ran into my mom's bedroom, and, uh, I said, Mom, we got to go to church. And she said, Why? I said, Because if we don't, we're going to go to Hades. I don't know if y'all are comfortable with the other word. We're going to go to the bad place. we got to get to church. And she, so we got in the, in the car, and uh, we started heading uh, to, uh, down Raceway Road, where actually we would end up going to church for a little while. And, and halfway down Raceway Road, everything was chaotic. Everything was crazy. And so we actually had to get out of our vehicle. And, uh, and start walking because there had been wrecks and it was just craziness, chaos. And my mom and I were walking down Raceway Road and I saw what to me looked like the devil. And now this is a dream. I'm not saying this is Bible. So look to your neighbor and say, this is a dream. Okay. This is how God knew I needed to hear this. I saw what I believed in my dream, what I thought to be the devil. And he looked at me and smiled. And, oh, my Jesus, I woke up and said, oh, Jesus. Uh, I I woke up scared. Like, you know that feeling when you wake up and you forgot to do your homework and you got to go to school or you woke up and you forgot there's a project you're supposed to do for work and you're totally unprepared and that gut feeling you have, like it just drops, that times ten. Like, I woke up. Now, you got to understand, like, I'm not going to go into detail, but I was very not Christian. I got into stuff on the weekends. I did things I wasn't supposed to do. Um, I was your typical non-Christian redneck kid, okay, and um, I wore Levi's and t-shirts and boots, you know what I'm saying, some of y'all came and picture me like that, (laughs) somebody said to to me earlier, I I had a shovel in my hand, they said, I look out of place, you know, Uh, but there was a time in my life, that's who I was, and um, anyways, uh, we were working this morning, my mind just totally went to something I had to do this morning, but anyways, um, so um, I looked at, the devil looked at me and smiled, and it scared me, I woke up, And literally, I called five of my best friends. I said, it was the craziest conversations because none of us went to church. And I said, uh, I called the first guy, and I was like, hey. He's like, dude, do you know what time it is? I was like, listen, if we don't get saved, we're going to go to hell. We got to go to church this morning. (laughs) And this is like a Wednesday morning. And they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, just trust me. I'll see you at school. Click. (laughs) And I I made like five conversations like that. And I got to, because I was scared. God had gotten a hold of my heart. And he came and saw about me in the middle of, of nothingness. I wasn't looking for him, but he came looking for me. And so instantaneously, I woke up. I called five friends. That's when you know God has touched somebody, when they got to tell somebody about him. Amen? And so I called five of my friends that were my partying friends. And and they thought I was crazy. I went to church that morning, and there was a, there was a preacher there that worked as a history teacher. His name was Reverend Moore. And He was hilarious. What I loved about Reverend Moore is he was a preacher, but he didn't preach at you. And uh, every every day you'd come into his into his classroom, and he'd say uh, his his classroom was uh, six twelve. So you walk into his classroom every day, say six twelve, strictly business, strictly business. And uh, and whenever you didn't turn in your homework, he'd say, uh, Brother Smith, where's your homework? And I say, I don't have it. I don't have Reverend Moore He said, mm, Goose egg. <laughs> anybody know what a goose egg is? Zero. <laughs> his son uh, his son tried. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going go there. But anyways. Um, but he was just a great guy he's a he's a great guy he went on to be with the lord a few a few months ago and um anyways he, he worked in front of the cafeteria and literally i ran to this guy and i said River Moore, uh i need to get saved and he, and he was just and River Moore knew me you know i'm in his class i don't do my homework i skip whenever i can and um and he looked at me and he said what do you mean i said honestly i have no idea what i'm asking you i just know that i don't want to go to hell <laughs> and and so he talked with me. And uh and, and how many knows whenever you get saved and you give your heart to Jesus, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know it all, you don't have to understand theology, you don't have to understand Trinitarianism versus Unitarianism, you don't have to you don't have to understand anything other than I need Jesus. We complicate it too much, don't we? We care so much about dress. We care so much about this and that and the other. And really the only thing that matters at the end of the day whenever we get to the gates of heaven is did we put our hearts in Jesus' hands? That's what matters. And so he prayed with me. I'll be honest with you, I I don't remember the prayer. I don't remember anything other than I left that conversation knowing I'm okay. And I'm gonna tell you something. There is nothing better in life than knowing I'm okay, then knowing, last week we sang a song, it is well. There's nothing better in life than knowing it really is well with my soul because regardless what comes into my life, I have put my life in the hands of Jesus and hell may come against me and the devil may fight me, but at the end of the day, it is well with my soul if I put it in Jesus' hands. How many knows know Jesus is strong enough to take care of your life? So I had this conversation, and I got saved in front of the cafeteria. And folks were looking at us. I was a football player, and and, and I was a mean football. I wasn't exactly – I wasn't a nice guy, okay, I I just because I felt like I had something to prove, okay. And uh, and so I was a football player. People were asking me what what happened, and I went from atheist – Beer drinking G- j to Jesus preaching in, in fourth period and and uh, and I had a lot to learn but uh, but something changed in my life did was I, did I, did I auto, was I automatically perfect absolutely not did I fall? Yes, absolutely but at the end of the day God is able to keep that which he's committed unto himself Do you believe that and so so Jesus came and he found me and almost immediately I felt like God called me into ministry. And I'll be honest with you. Can I be honest with you? Never wanted to pastor an established church. Never did. Never was in my heart. From the moment I got saved, I said, I want to pastor. I want to to start a church. Because I wanted to start a church that didn't care about stuff. I wanted a church that cared about people. And while I was living as an atheist, one of the reasons I stayed an atheist is because I heard about Christian folks talking about each other all the time. I don't want to be a part of that. You want to be a part of that? No <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> but I'll say this. God has a plan. How many believe God has a plan? We have plans. In fact, the Bible says that a, a man may have goals in his heart, but a godly man, the Lord, directs his steps. Amen? And so at the, at the age of 16, with starting with a dream, God began to direct my steps. And I submitted to ministry almost immediately. And um, I still got myself into some trouble. How many of you have ever gotten in trouble even after you said you, you love Jesus? But here's the thing. If you put your, your life in the Lord's hands... And every day, you don't, you don't try to live a perfect life, you try to have a good day. Every minute of the day I think to myself, not every minute, but every goal of the, my goal of every day is this, is Lord, let me represent you well. And there have been days in my life where I did not represent him well. But what I've learned about him is that if I allow him to cover me with his grace and I depend on him for that, he'll take me the rest of the way. And so our scripture said a few things to us. And said, first of all, you see at just the right time. God knew whenever I was ready. You may have people in your life that you want them to get saved. And you want them to be in church and all those things. But I'm telling you, God has the right time. And, and at just the right time, whenever whenever God knows that their heart is ready, he's going to get a hold of them. Does that mean we don't invite? Does that mean we don't love on? Does that mean we don't pray for? Absolutely not, because those things, that is like the miracle grow in the spiritual realm, I guess. is whenever we pray, we are, prepared, we are helping to prepare our loved one's hearts for God to speak to them. But what I need somebody to hear today is that just at the right time, God will work. At just the right time, God will walk into a situation and he will have his way because he's good and he's big and he's sovereign and he's strong. And this is what I'm convinced of. If anyone is ever faced with the true love of God, they they will not want to look away. And I know because that was me. Whenever the true love of God faced me and, and and it wrapped me up, I didn't want to look away. In, and whenever I gave my heart to God, there's something that happened. First of all, I felt freedom. There's nothing like, because whenever you're walking around with, with issues in your life, it's like, a, it's like weights around your neck, isn't it? When if you're bound up at junk and you've got hatred and unforgiveness and you've got addiction, it's like weights that weigh you down. But as soon as I gave all that stuff to Jesus, it's like I was released from this pressure But the second thing that came in was guilt. I felt really guilty about how I'd lived my life. And even today, and I think it's it's good, I'm so mindful of the fact that I don't deserve grace, but that's what makes it grace. I'm so mindful of the fact that I don't deserve what Jesus did for me on Calvary, but that's what makes me always appreciate it because I know who I was. Do you remember yourself before you got under the blood of Jesus? I think a lot of our spiritual problems when it comes to church problems is that we forget how much we need him. That's that's good. And so I have this mixture of freedom but also guilt. and And many times, thinking of God's goodness, I think it almost makes us feel sometimes like, it's inclusive instead of exclusive. Or it's exclusive instead of inclusive. I think sometimes we look at our own issues and we say, you know, how could God love me? How could God really love me if he knows everything I did? Because the Bible says that he knows everything about us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He knows every tear that we've cried and he's even put them in a bottle. If he knows that much about me, how could He really loved me. And the best thing that I could equate it to is, I used to think it was my daughter. It's my son. (laughs) My son is what they call all boy. And he knows where every one of my nerves are, and he dances on them. And he jumps on them, and he twists on them, and uh, (laughs) he is... (laughs) And he's got a smile. You know, you may have one of these kids that they are always in trouble, but then they can just give you that look like, but I love you, Daddy. And I'm like, I'm going to kill you, kid. <laughs> and um, I used to think it was with Bellany, but Bellany is mild-mannered. Liam, he's like, ah, all the time. And and I, I, and I God begins to minister to me because my son, I'm literally, I'm not even kidding, he's always into something, like, Always, Like, we were planning on having three, now we're only having two. (laughs) If we were going to, if we had had him first, we'd only had one, probably. (laughs) And so, but what I've learned through him is that he can do a lot of crazy stuff, but I love him. And I think that's what God says about us, is, you know, they do some dumb stuff, but I sure love them. How do I know that? Because if he didn't love us, he wouldn't have even made us in his image. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. He was Because Jesus wasn't just his son. Jesus was God. The Bible says this, that everything was made by him and nothing was made without him. Jesus was God and is God. And he decided that, that God had decided, we love these people so much. We are going to send part of ourselves. We're going to send Jesus down to earth, robe him in flesh, and we're going to pay the price for their sin. That's what love is. That's how we know that God loves us, and that's why we know that even despite our issues, God is crazy about us. And so we all fall short. We all fall short. God loves us, but that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. One of the most frustrating things to do in life is try to be perfect because you'll never get there. Do we strive for perfection? Absolutely. Jesus said this, be perfect as I am perfect. What he was saying is strive for perfection. But understand, we are under the dispensation of grace for a reason. Because if we had it all together, Jesus would not have had to go to Calvary. But we don't. So we know we're all going to fall short. That's not a goal. It's not like we're like, well, today I'm going to depend on grace. No. It's not a goal, but it is the truth. And so because God knew that we'd fall short, he poured out this grace that could cover our mess. Because God loved us so much, he knew we were going to mess up. He poured out this grace that covered our mess. And so the truth is this. God's love is not exclusive, but it is inclusive. It's inclusive. It's inclusive. I need you to understand this today. It doesn't matter if you've been saved. (laughs) Yeah, anyways. (laughs) Anyways, (laughs) it doesn't matter if you've been saved for 70 years or you've been saved for seven minutes. God loves you. And sometimes even if you've been saved longer, it's easy to forget that, isn't it? You get so busy doing church stuff, you just forget about your first love. Remember, God said in Revelations to one of the churches, I believe it was the church of Ephesus, he said, go back to your first love. Some of us get in a lot of church trouble because we get so busy doing church, we forget to love Jesus. That's good. And so God's love is is not exclusive, it's inclusive. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, And so at just the right time in my life, God came in. And I guarantee you at just the right time in your life, God has came in. And if he hasn't come in yet, it's maybe he's working on you today. Because God is always right on time. Amen. And so here's the thing. When we look at this scripture, there's three things I want us to pull out of it. And then I'm going to let you go. First of all, God finds us at just the right time. Because sometimes it's too important and too late. Let's, let's look at that. Let's take, for example, um, whenever God covered, uh, whenever God split the Red Sea. Y'all remember that story? The, uh, the God's children, was, were, they were leaving Egypt, and, and they came up to the Red Sea, and Pharaoh's armies were, were behind them. They were chasing them. And Moses said, he said, Lord, you done brought me out here. These people complaining. You brought me this far. You're going to have to figure it out. I mean, if God brings you to a dead end, he'll find you a way out. That old saying, if God brought you to it, he's going to bring you through it. And so God says to Moses, go stick go stick your stick in the water. I'd have been like, God, what? You gonna, what? what am I going to put a stick in the water for? I need a boat, God. That's what I'd have been saying to God. And, and Moses did because he was smarter than me. And so God said, put your rod in the water. And he did, and the sea split. This is how important timing is. God's people made it out. Because they were right on time. They had followed God's demand. They were following his will. They got to the dead, to the, yeah, to the Red Sea. They God split it. They went through on dry ground, got to the other side. I'm going to tell you how important time timing is. The Egyptians came through and they got buried by the water. If they what if there was a straggler that said, you know what? That looks crazy. I'm just going to wait on the boat. There is literally water. Hundred you know, twenty, thirty feet higher, however high it was, and there's dry ground where there should be water. I don't think so. I'm gonna wait on the boat. I will see you guys later. I guarantee you they'd have got swallowed up by either the water whenever they run it from the armies or the armies would have killed them. Timing is important and this is what I need you to understand. Maybe you're at a time in your life where you're really trying to trust God. Keep trusting him because he will show up just in time. He will show up on time and it doesn't matter if it's about provision or about healing. Doesn't matter. He will show up on time every time. You just got to trust him you got to stop trying to trust yourself. you got to stop trying to plan it out all the time. A lot of times it's not going to make sense. you just got to trust God. Amen? And so, they get to, so here's the thing about timing. They get through because they trust God. Because God is always right on time. You know who didn't make it through? The uh, Egyptian army. They got swallowed up by the Red Sea because, again, they were right on time. They were just going the wrong way. Amen? And so God finds us right on time at just the right time. And, you know, a good example of that is whenever you try to fix your spouse. You ever, you ever got in a fight with your wife or your husband? <laughs> and you know you messed up? And you go to them and say, baby, I'm so sorry. But you come too soon, and she, so she's like, I don't want to hear that. You better get out of my face with all that. Y'all don't know it, but Christina talks like that in secret. <laughs> I'm just kidding. My wife is so Caucasian. If she was a cracker, she'd be a saltine. <laughs> so, <laughs> but seriously, my wife and I are so different Because me, I like to get things handled like right now Like, okay, we're fighting, we need to get it figured out Christina is more like, you need to give me a day You need to give me some time to cool down And so it's important for our relationship for me to understand That timing is important And i got to wait on the right time to solve a problem And if I try to go too soon, she's going to push us away and so we need to understand there's a right and a wrong time whenever we're dealing with God. Amen. And sometimes we're trying to push people into the into a relationship with God and we're trying to push it instead of allowing God to develop it. And that's good preaching right there. And so the second thing I want you to get out of today is first of all, God God finds us at just the right time. Second thing is this, God's love goes beyond words. God's love goes beyond words. That that text said this. He he said, God demonstrates his own love for us. I need to tell somebody something. If you say you love somebody, but your love never turns into action, maybe you don't really love them. If you say you love your brother and your brother calls you and says, hey, I got a flat tire, and you're sitting on the couch watching football, but you don't have time, that might mean. We read a story a few weeks ago about the Good Samaritan and how there were two or three holy folks that said they loved God and they went to the church and they, you know they went by saying, kumbaya. I ain't got time for that tire, kumbaya. And, you know, they walked by this guy that was broken down, beat down, left for dead. They didn't have time for him, but they loved God. Can I tell you something? If you can't love people, you can't love God. Here's the thing. God's love goes beyond words. God's love is love in action. And, and we know this because he demonstrates it. Words are cheap. I'll tell you what I appreciate. I asked four people, five people, to come help me today, set up some things. There were more than that working today, but I asked for four or five people to come help me today. And I know they love the Lord because they saw an opportunity to serve. You know what they said? Yes. Sometimes God requires things of you because just like he works for us, sometimes we got to work for him. Mm, They got real quiet right there. Love is an action, not a feeling. We like to think love is a feeling. And so if we don't feel like God loves us, maybe he doesn't. But love has nothing to do with feelings. Love is an action. Love is me making a decision and then make, and following it through. I make a decision in my mind and I follow it through. That's what love is. Marriage is about love. And I'm going to tell you, some of you already know, you don't feel like you love each other every day. Is that true? There are some days you wonder if you even like each other not me, I love my wife every day because she's awesome and never wrong about anything. (laughs) She, on the other hand, probably needs a little prayer because she has to deal with me. (laughs) So love is not an action. It's, I mean, love is an action. It's not a feeling. I made a commitment to my wife. I said, I'm going to love her even when I don't like her, I'm going to love her. Even when we disagree, I made a commitment. And the good thing about God is this, is he's made a commitment to his bride. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you are a part of the bride of Christ. And you can bet on this, that God has your back. And he's committed to you, and he loves you, he's there to support you and carry you through. So God's love goes beyond words. He actually demonstrates his love and This is how he does it. Verse 80 also says this. While we were still sinners. While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He didn't just say, well, I love people. He put his money where his mouth was. He didn't just say, well, I love these humans down here. I hope they figure it out. Instead, he said, you know what? I'm going to make sure that I put my love into action. And so God's love does this. God's love trumps our mess ups. I know this is different. Normally I like to preach and I'm having to fight myself back because some of these things, I want to preach it instead of instead of talk to you about it because it's so good. I love talking about the love of God. But I need somebody to hear this today. God loves, God's love trumps our mess ups. We think when we mess up, it disqualifies us. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I bet you felt that way before where you are trying to get your life right, where you're trying to live for Jesus. But then you say a cuss word, you go off on somebody, you do something you know you shouldn't do. So funny. Christine always tells me the story about her mom. Her mom grew up a holiness lady. And, um, and so she, uh, she, she and Christine were in the car one day and they were backing up and, um, she hit a tree And when she did, she said, cuss word. She didn't say cuss word. She actually said a cuss word. (laughs) And she looked at Christina. Now, she wasn't that type of lady if you knew her. I didn't know her. I just hear stories about her. And so apparently she looks at Christina. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. It's just how she felt. She said, if we would have died, I would have went to hell right then. (laughs) And sometimes we feel that way, that if we don't have it all together all the time, it's like God is like this big guy in the sky with a big old rock, ready to just throw it down at us every time we mess up. It's like we picture God in the sky and say, "I'll bet you won't do it, do it again." I'm like, "I got you this time." Like we're talking our, like I'm talking to Liam. If you touch that thing one more time, you are not going to make it out of this house alive. That's how we think about God sometimes, but that's not Him. It's not Him. Instead, He. There are times where we have to, yes, answer for our sin, but at the end of the day, he loves us, and he wants to cover our mess-ups. And so his love, it trumps our mess-ups. And so God loves us right where we are. And that's hard for us to hear sometimes, isn't it? Because in today's society, with most people, in order to get love, you've got to do something good you got to perform well. you got to do something for somebody. It's hard to hear that God loves you just because he loves you. It's hard to say that I can receive love that I didn't earn. But that's the gospel. The gospel is that God loves me so much and there's nothing I could do to get him to love me less. He loves me so much and there's nothing that I could do to get him to stop loving me. That's the good news of the gospel. And so if someone to come play for me, please. What set the hook in my heart for God was this. Was when I realized that his love didn't depend on my ability to be good. What set the hook in my heart for God Was when I realized I didn't have to perform. I don't have to perform to get him to love me. In fact, he poured his love out on me because he knew I couldn't be good. So, what do I do with that? Honestly, sometimes God's love to me is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable because I'm like, God, I don't deserve this. Sometimes I'm talking to God and I say, God, do you know me? I mean, sometimes I start talking to God and I say, God, do you not see how messed up I am? Do you not see how many mistakes I make? God, how can you love me? So what do we do with this love? This free love that is so hard to understand. This is the hardest thing we'll ever do. We have to really, and this is going to sound dumb and easy, but it's hard and it's complicated. The first thing we have to do with this love is we have to receive it. That sounds so elementary. But I guarantee you there are people in here that have been in church for a long time and they struggle receiving love from God. They believe the Bible, they love Jesus, and they appreciate the cross, but it's hard to understand and to receive his love. I guarantee you there are people in here today that they love God, but it's hard to accept that he loves me. Because we know all of our ins and outs. We know all of our mistakes. We know all of the dirty secrets that everybody else tries to hide. So we have to receive it. Because if we never receive God's love, it can never set us free. The thing about God's love is it brings in this freedom that releases us from shame. Shame causes you to not like yourself. What sin does in us is it brings in the shame that, that makes us feel bad and dirty and broken. But that's not God's will for our lives. Instead, God has come in to give us life and to give it more abundantly. The point of the cross was to make us whole. And if we don't allow ourselves to receive this free love of God, we will never be whole, we'll always be lacking. And what, you may say, "Well, how do I receive it?" The best way to receive it is to stop fighting it. The best way to receive the love of God is is to stop fighting it. I said I got saved at sixteen, and I absolutely did, absolutely did. But it was eighteen or nineteen. Before I really understood the love of God, I was in an altar at, at, uh, at first, uh, no, what is it? Yeah, first assembly of God. And uh, Tom Cook was pastoring there, if you know or remember him. And I was a member there for a couple of years. And uh, he was, I don't know what he's preaching about, I have no idea. I just know that God pulled me down to this altar. And I remember Jason Smith was there praying for me. I think Jeremy was there praying for me. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure Steve Smith was there. Terry, all of them Smiths were there, I guess. <laughs> the whole clan was there. And um, I don't remember what was preached. I just remembered that God, for the first time, he was no longer about rules and regulations, but instead he was about redemption and love. And there was something that clicked in my heart that I was no longer so concerned about getting everything right. Rather, I just wanted to be right with Him. And so the first thing you got to do is you got to receive it. And you do that simply just by pouring yourself out. Sometimes you just got to say to God, I don't know how to receive your love, but help me. Sometimes you got to say, I, God, I don't know how to forgive. Help me. Sometimes you got to say, God, I don't know how to move on. Help me. I don't mean like when you're in traffic, you say, Help me, Jesus. I don't mean that. I mean, whenever there's something deep and painful in your heart, and you just got to get to this place where you say, God, I don't know how to do this. I need your help. First thing you do with this love is you receive it. The second thing you got to do is you got to re gift it. receive it and then you give it because that's what Christ has called us to do. I got saved out of atheism and this is what I promised myself and I'm closing with this. I would never just do church. I would never just do church. What do I mean by that? I'm not going to get up early on Sunday morning just to check off some list of morality in my life. I'm not just going to do it. God has been too good to me. This is what I decided. God has been too good to me to just passively exist under his grace. I said to myself, God, you are too, or I said to God, God, you are too good. And your blood is too precious for me to be passive about your love and about your grace. And so I I said, I'm never going to just do church. Instead, I'm going to be the church. I'll be honest with you, when I said that, I didn't know what I meant. But I knew this, there were hurting people in my life that needed the same hope that God had given me and that's what I need to tell somebody today there are people in your life and they need hope there are people in your life and they need to hear about Jesus and my question to you is are you going to be the one to tell them I don't mean to preach I don't mean to put on a church mask I hate church masks all church mass do is give you this false sense of entitlement and this false sense of righteousness. And the Bible, this is what Jesus said. He said, your righteousness are like filthy rags to me. I don't care about doing church. I don't care about church mass. Too many people going to hell for us to be putting on masks when we come here on Sunday. And God is calling us to receive his love and then to give it. How do we give it? He said, you know what? You received it freely, so you got to give it freely. Free doesn't just mean the price. It also means I guess the quantity. I'm going to give all of it away. Every person I come into contact with, I'm going to give them the love of Jesus. Every person I see, I'm going to give them the love of Jesus. That person that cuts me off in traffic, I'm going to pray and repent, and then I'm going to pray that they encounter the love of Jesus. what do we do with this love? We receive it and we re-gift it. And this is why. Because the love of God transforms us in a way that religious acts never could. From 16 to 18, I did church. I went, I went to Sunday school. I preached to people at school. I was that, you're going to hell, preacher. (laughs) But then when I encountered his love, it transformed me like those religious acts never could. That's the difference. I know it's cliche and it's catchphrase and it's old, but honestly, there's a difference between religion and relationship. And my question today as I close is, which do you have? We're going to get to the food. I ain't got to worry about getting y'all to KFC today. Come on, somebody. We got food here. But I need to ask somebody before I let you go, we're going to get there. We're going to let the kids play. We're going to chase them around. We're going to have horseshoes, all that stuff. It's here. But before we get there, I need to take care of business here. And I need to ask somebody. Is your faith about religion or is it about relationships? religion will bind you up. It'll give you this list of rights and wrongs and do's and don'ts. It's heavy. It's, It's hard to carry because even the Pharisees who thought they were good at it weren't good at it. Some of the most miserable people I know in church, they got a lot of religion but not a lot of Jesus. They can say praise the Lord and talk about you almost three seconds separated from each other. Well, I love Jesus but I can't stand that woman. Religion is heavy, but relationship, that's whenever I can say, you know what, I got a heavy burden, but I lay it down at the foot of Jesus and he gives me peace. And in that, what we're looking for is peace, peace that surpasses all understanding. I got a challenge for you today, and I'm going to, if you got, if you could stand with me, we're going to close, trying hard not to be that preacher today that closes for 30 minutes. You know, preacher time, if I say I'm closing 30 minutes later, we might get out of here. God is calling us to a place of peace. And this is the test. To figure out, do I have religion or do I have relationship? Relationship. is even in chaos do I have peace. Because the truth is this, is that if I have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, then craziness can come into my life, but that's all right. And so today, with every uh, every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around but the Holy Ghost my question for you is this do you have religion or do you need a relationship today if you need a relationship with Jesus whether it be the first time or you feel like you have kind of gone astray and you need to get some things right in your heart I want you to lift your hands right now if that's you And you're struggling with religion versus relationship. God sees those hands. And you need to get some things right in your heart. I want you to lift your hands. God sees the hands. God sees it. God sees it. God sees it. We'll give you ten more seconds if that's you. And you know you got things to get right. Now's the time. God sees those hands. Would you let him work? Would you let him work? Holy Ghost, do what only you can do. If you will, would you take your neighbor by the hand? Everybody touching somebody. We're not going to see lean on me this week. Come back next week for that. But nobody moving around. We're going to pray this prayer. And I don't generally, well... We're going to pray for those of you today that are giving your heart to Jesus or giving it back to Jesus for the first time. And i got to tell you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, uh, I can pray it for you, but if you don't mean it in your heart, it doesn't mean anything. It's not about a prayer. It's about a commitment and a sacrifice. And so as a church, would you pray with me right now? Everybody, repeat after me. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Lord, I admit I have fallen from you. There is something wrong in my heart, and I give it to you. I ask that you would cover me with your grace and your mercy I believe that the blood of Jesus has set me free from every sin I believe that I am new in you I ask that you would cover every sin my faith is in you and you alone thank you for loving me Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will somebody give God praise right now? Come on, give him some praise for those four or five hands that went up, those nine or ten hands that went up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. If that was you today and you you said that prayer and you raised your hand, and maybe you didn't raise your hand but you said the prayer, find somebody. Look to your neighbor and say, find somebody. find somebody, tell them, hey, I got some things right. We're going to celebrate with you. Thank you for being here today. Um, We got lots going on and I'm going to get ready to release you. We're going to pray for the food in just a minute. Uh, But again, remember, go through these doors. If you got kids, um, make sure you get your kids first and then make your way to the food line. We will have seating in here. We have seating out uh, in the field. We have seating. Uh, for games in the education building. we got something for everybody. Even if you don't want to eat, just hang out for a little bit. We're just going to take time together today and just be a part of the family of God. Isn't that good? Let me pray over you. We're going to pray over the food, pray over the service, and we're going to get out of here. Lord, uh, first of all, we thank you for your services today. We thank you for uh, what the Holy Spirit's doing in our church and in our community. And God, we ask that you would continue to work in people's hearts the way you have been. Father, we pray over the food. We ask that you would bless it. We thank you for it. Father, I I love you, we love you, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Bless you guys, we love you, I'll see you outside.